You are listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Josh Long, Legal and Regulatory Editor. Brought to you by Supply Side West, September 25th through the 29th. Welcome to a Supply Side West edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast. This is Josh Long with Natural Products Insider. I'm on the phone this morning with Sean Murphy, the founder and publisher of the Hemp Business Journal, to discuss the uh, CBD market. Sean will be uh, one of the speakers at Supply Side West on Thursday, September 28th, to discuss the state of CBD and dietary supplements, business opportunities and market trends, regulatory hurdles, and bringing new products to market. Sean, thanks a lot for joining us this morning. It's great to be here, Josh, and hello to all of the listeners to the podcast. So, Sean, I'm gonna uh, I want to uh, give the, the, our listeners and, and our readers some some uh, background information on Hemp Business Journal. You're the founder and publisher. Give us some color and background on what inspired you to launch that publication and what it's all about. Absolutely, Josh. So, how Hemp Business Journal came about was in early 2014, before the Farm Bill. Uh, came out with Section 7606 that uh, developed pilot projects, I was getting together with a couple of investors at uh, some early cannabis conferences here in Denver, and the need to understand more about the hemp industry was on everyone's mind. What is hemp? What is CBD? What are the companies doing? Where is the data to help us understand this industry? And out of those conversations, I got connected to Patrick Ray at Canopy Boulder. They were just getting ready to start up their first cohort. Uh, it would have been about six, eight months after that that they were developing it. And Patrick came to me and said, hey, Sean, I used to do similar journalism and business reporting at New Hope out of Boulder, uh, a company that Informa is very familiar with. So uh, Patrick's conversations led us to found Hemp Business Journal in the second Canopy cohort, with this focus on developing and doing primary research on the hemp industry and letting people know both investors but also operators in the space what exactly was going on in the market, where it was going, and really providing legitimate data and market intelligence to help them make informed decisions. Thanks, Sean. That makes a lot of sense. So let's let's get into the data that your that your uh, publication um, reviews and, and and puts out there to the public. In terms of the CBD market, what information can you share about sales to date? And where we're sure what I what I can share, Josh, is last year in October we published our first CBD report where we broke out this category, CBD, from the rest of the hemp industry to say what exactly is going on with CBD branded or, as we now know them, kind of hemp extract products. And what we found last year was we have to understand it in two ways. There's not only CBD in the context of hemp, but there's also CBD products in the context of marijuana. And I know some people like to use the term cannabis instead of marijuana, but in our reporting, we're very clear because of the legal use of the term marijuana versus industrial hemp to think of it as hemp-derived CBD products and marijuana-derived CBD products because they each have their own regulatory, legal, and uh, really 
supply chains uh, that develop out of each. So by breaking them down from marijuana-derived CBD and hemp-derived CBD, we we calculated the markets from 2016 to be 132 million from CBD from marijuana-derived resources. So think CBD sold in dispensaries, and then the market for hemp-derived CBD was 130 million. So that's everywhere else. That's alfalfas, that's online products, that's any CBD product uh, or any CBD-based molecule really coming from hemp. Uh, the third one to consider that's going to become bigger on all of our radar is going to be pharmaceutical. There's no drug yet that's CBD-based, but I'm sure all the listeners are aware of GW Pharmaceutical uh, and Greenwich Bioscience and Epidiolex. And we project by 2020 the sales of pharmaceutical to be $350 million, where we round out marijuana-derived CBD, about $420 million, and hemp CBD-based products, $395 million. Okay. But in 2016, if you distinguish the marijuana CBD sales from the industrial hemp uh, sales, they're both around $130 million, right? Marijuana was 132 Is that correct? Yep. Yep, that's accurate. It's easy to say they're both right around 130 million for 2016. They're both around 130 million. Um, and we were we were talking earlier uh, before we joined officially joined the call about just the startling number of companies in the CBD market. Let's just focus for a minute um, for our listeners' sake on the companies in the slash industrial hemp CBD market. Um, what can you talk about the the, the, the kinds of companies that are out there and, and how they're growing and how it's impacting, you know, the marketplace. Sure. In a nutshell, Josh, there's just a lot of them. We've seen a proliferation of these hemp-derived uh, CBD. Also on the label, you're going to see hemp extract or phytocannabinoid extract companies the last year and a half, two years. Uh, a lot of this has come from people realizing that they can extract uh, from a flower-based hemp uh, plant and uh, have that higher concentration of CBD. So and this has led to all sorts of different companies. But I would say, uh, by and large, there's this group of maybe 15 to 25 that I would say we track pretty closely at Hemp Business Journal. There's just so many. We use markers like sales, uh, the quality of the team, fundraising, access to capital, growth rates, and uh, it's a little bit quasi right now, but just legitimacy. Uh, the CBD industry has had a little bit of a, of a struggle, and as you know, on the regulatory and legal side, some, some road blocks along the way. So we also think that this kind of, is this company legitimate, and are, is what they're doing in terms of claims and labeling, is it on the up and up? And, and that's really been two categories, right? There's the group that's putting CBD on the label. They're like, hey, give the people what they want. <laughs> it's CBD, put it on the label, and let's go with it. And then there's the other group that's shifting more towards calling uh, their product hemp extract, which is a little bit more friendly term uh, that I'm sure your other guests like Bob Hoban have talked about. Right, thanks. Now, for, for the vast majority of these, 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 these companies, are they, would you characterize them as mom-and-pop shops? I'm not talking about the big players, but these smaller companies, are they just one-man, two-man, woman operations? How, do you, how would you describe them? I characterize everybody outside of that top 25 companies, Josh, to be mom-and-pop shops, where your top five to seven are going to be doing uh, 10 to 15 million in sales. And then your next 
five or seven down to 15 are more in that five to 10 million in sales. Uh, so really, once you get out of the top 15 sales by sales companies, it, it really drifts quickly into the mom and pop shops. But they're becoming a, the brands and the companies are very sophisticated in the top five to 10. I mean, when you're doing 10 to 15 million in sales, you have distribution into multiple channels, uh, various SKUs and brand lines, uh, you know, considering like plus CBD oil and CV science, you know, Mary's, Bluebird Botanical, uh, Functional Remedies, these are not mom and pop shops at all. Okay. Let's talk about investment. So some of the companies you just mentioned, as you mentioned, you know, they're sophisticated, um, certainly compared to some of these mom and pop shops. But when I look at some of the public companies, you know, they're obviously uh, still reporting losses, net losses, and they need a lot of money to continue their operations and to actually go where they, they want to go. So what, what are your thoughts on the investment side in terms of how they're raising capital um, and what the challenges are there? I think the biggest challenge, Josh, is just the downward pressure from the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, on one hand, we have GW Pharma, who their balance sheet had 400 and I think it was 35 million uh, in cash at the end of 2016, whereas the entire hemp-based CBD industry had 130 million in sales. So, like, when you take 130 million and compare it to 430 million on one pharmaceutical company's balance sheet, the argument seems to be right now that investors understand the pharma model, uh, they know what's going to happen, they know the road marks they need to hit and how they're going to see a return, where with the hemp-based CBD companies, it's a little bit unchartered. Uh, it's a very bit unchartered in terms of the industry itself, but uh, natural products industry insiders and those that know the supplements, natural product and specialty industry are starting to take note of the brands that are separating themselves and getting distribution. So I think those, those things that I said earlier, like, what are their sales? What's their growth rate? Is this a team that has experience in uh, natural products and the specialty industry? Like, these are things I think investors should be looking at, but it's still a bit of a buyer investor beware market because there's just so many of these companies and, uh, you know, due diligence. And, and that's why Hemp Business Journal exists. We want to help people kind of cut through the riffraff and get down to the companies that are really doing a great job. Right. And, and in terms of the investors, who is investing in this market? I mean, we're not talking about big banks like Wells Fargo, right? I mean, who, who are the investors? No, no, absolutely not. We're not talking even uh, about traditional venture capitalists. We're still in that uh, family, angels, and even small angel kind of uh, micro angel funds. Uh, it's still very new. I would not consider hemp-based CBD products to be anything but, uh, you know, still a kind of a niche angel industry where we're starting to see some more traditional cannabis investors from the marijuana side saying, oh, man, there's something to this CBD, and we're seeing the sales in our dispensary. What's going on over there in the hemp industry, and how can we get more involved? So that's been really the last year where there's been some more, I'd say, bigger hitter uh, cannabis investors, but we're nowhere near yet talking like traditional VC or institutional capital other than in GW Pharma and uh, some of the larger pharmaceutical-based cannabis companies. There's been so many stories over the past few years about CBD and all the uh, potential medical benefits, and a lot of those are obviously associated with um, treating diseases, which, as you know, supplements 
they can't treat a, a disease like cancer, for example, under under the federal law. You're not allowed to sell a supplement to treat cancer or something like that. That's that's the whole purpose of uh, FDA approved medicine. But what what really is driving such burgeoning um, demand and, and such interest in these CBD products, these industrial hemp based CBD products, from the consumer standpoint? What is what is your research showing about that? My research would say that that uh, from looking at I'd call it like PubMed and the recent patents. The general consumer, you know, that we have all these different conditions and we know we know where everything is at with medical claims and such, but it's really this kind of chronic chronic pain uh, and like general wellness that it seems like CBD is being adopted as something that's moving the marker on that. And that just has such a wide appeal to so many people. I have my aches and pains or I've been out golfing. Uh, and, you know, my shoulder hurts, like this concept of just, you know, kind of pain management and wellness, it all kind of fountainheads here in CBD. So I think that's what's really like led the trend. Uh, but as the research gets more built out, I mean, of course, we have epilepsy and Dravet syndrome with Epidiolex, uh and, you know, PTSD. Like there's been so many things thrown around with CBD that I think we're still on a bit of a timeline to get really, really good research out to understand what these medical conditions are that it's helping. And until then, it, it lives in, as you know, the kind of the supplement gray area where nobody is making any claims they can't uh, with the FDA, but uh, yet people are still finding the product on shelves and uh, self-treating themselves in many ways. Okay, thanks. And, and speaking of finding the product on the shelves, I, um, I had done a story or looked into – Companies um, selling CBD, a retailer selling CBD, and what I found, at least, and, and maybe you found something different, but what I found in my research and reporting was that companies like Alfalfa's, for example, Boulder-based uh, natural food companies were selling CBD in their stores, but the big guys, like the Kroger's of the world, the Safeways, the Walmart, the Walgreens, still didn't want to... Um, Still didn't want to go there. Um, have you found something different in terms of uh, the big retailers and, and what reservations they may have? Josh, I think you're nailing it. What you just said is exactly what I've seen. We're seeing more specialty, your independents, and your smaller stores, like five to ten chain stores max, uh, that are are adopting and putting some CBD products on the shelves. And in that case, usually like two, three, or four. I'd say Alfalfa's is a bit of a standout here in Colorado where I think they have maybe 10 to 12 different brands in their little wooden cabinet there in Boulder. Uh, but generally speaking, it's safe to say the bigger boxes, uh, the bigger distributors, and uh, your bigger online portals like Amazon and Walmart, they're still taking a step back, generally speaking, and saying we're just a little bit uneasy where all this is going to shake down and uh, we're not – we're not going all in yet. So the sales that we do see online uh, are typically on companies' websites. Uh, you know, you, you go to the company's website and buy their product direct. Uh, and in stores, you're right. It's the smaller independents, smaller chains. Uh, it's not certainly Whole Foods, Kroger's, uh, Natural Grocers, Sprouts, for instance. But uh, the industry would be saying that there is interest there. I just don't know if the sales or the case has been made yet for the first big the big boy in the group uh, to, to go out on the ledge and say that we're going to embrace CBD. 
Okay, thanks. And 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 for those retailers that are like the Alphas, for example, and and, and others, uh, what are their sales looking like? I mean, uh, do they get a lot of sales from CBD? Have you looked into that? I do. Uh, I look into it a lot. What I can say is a couple of the companies that are really doing well on distribution. Uh, the one that I'm most familiar with because they. You know, credit to them, they share their data <laughs> with me, is uh, CV Sciences and their product plus CBD oil. They're in over a 1,000 store locations. So in terms of, like, how are those stores doing, I'm sure it varies uh, you know, store to store. But from what I've gotten in the stores that I'm in, it's usually like this stuff is moving really well and in some cases flying off the shelves. It's educational uh issue, I guess, to, that where the people at point of purchase are able to inform customers in the shop, like, what is this product, where does it come from, and what's going on? And a big tip of the hat to the team there at Alfalfa is in Boulder. They do a great job because they know the product. They know that it's all sourced in Colorado, almost all their products, and they're just on the forefront of educating people what it is. So, yeah, it's selling, uh, but we need more education. We're certainly looking for the brands to break into these larger big boxes. Okay, I, I have to I have to ask this question because you mentioned GW Pharmaceuticals. You're aware that they're, you know, they're, they're hoping to get uh, FDA approval for their for their uh, drug Epidiolex, which is uh, a CBD a CBD drug to treat uh, a form of I believe it's a rare form of epilepsy or rare forms of epilepsy. Everybody's waiting to find out a. If if they receive drug approval, and B, if they receive drug approval, will FDA be pressured or be motivated to target all these other companies that are selling CBD on the market? Because as you as you're aware, I'm sure, FDA takes a position that CBD can't be added to food and CBD can't be sold in dietary supplements, and they specifically cite GW's drug research. Um, as a basis for precluding these other products from being on the market. So in talking to all your sources, what are, what, what are their concerns and what do you think is going to happen? What you just mentioned there with FDA and GW, that's like the question, right? What's going to happen when they file their new drug application and the whole team there, there's like 30, 40 of them at Greenwich Bioscience at their office in San Diego. Once they hit the market and start selling up What's the FDA going to do with all these natural product CBD brands? And I guess, like, to just be really honest with all the listeners, I don't think we really know exactly what they're going to do. But that is the question driving, I think, a little bit of unease in the industry. What's going to happen when they start hitting sales? I I don't want to say it's a foregone conclusion that this is going to happen with GW. From listening to their conference call, uh, they had an investor call with Goldman Sachs, and the whole their executives came on. They're like, look, everybody is working on the new drug application right now except the three of us on this call, uh, and we're expecting to have it done by the end of this year. So hearing him say that to all the Goldman Sachs investors, I was like, this is going to happen. It's just a matter of what happens uh, from the FDA after that. We know the DEA has sent some very, very mixed and confusing messages uh, the USDA, we know where they're at with the federal farm bill in Section 7606, but it's what is the FDA going to do once we have this new drug application in the works and Epidiolex on the market? Finally, I want to I want to I want to leave you with this question and hope you can answer it for our, for our listeners. 
For those companies in the CBD market today that you see as successful, what are the characteristics that um, make them successful today in the market? Sure. I think there's a couple. One that we're seeing right off the bat is is some immediate sense of or success with vertically integrating. There was uh, an initial wave of wholesale in the CBD industry, but the brands quickly realized, except from one or two of them, that we need to have a retail-branded product if we're going to be successful to move our hemp all the way through the supply chain. So uh, vertical integration, retail sales, really important. We're seeing that having a good team, uh, expertise that knows what they're doing through the supply chain, important. And then being really clear on the brand, like what are people's sales channels and are they a natural products uh, type of company or are they targeting a practitioner channel? Like what is their real go-to-market strategy? And I think that big mom and pop category that you mentioned, I usually get a sense from talking to them that they don't understand all of the channels or they don't really know where they're taking this product, where your top companies they know who the big natural product distributes are. They know what store shelves they want to be on, and they know what new SKUs they're going to be coming out with and what their what, what their their market and customers are buying. So generally, you can figure out who's doing well and what's happening by going into these smaller independents and looking online and see who's doing well. Like, it's no doubt. Type in plus CBD oil, and some of your top sellers are going to be coming up there on the top of Google, and you know who's doing well. So... I think that that helps between vertical integration and having expertise in natural products and the specialty markets. Like, those are the first two markers, I think, of success. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a Healthy Insider podcast with Sean Murphy, the founder and publisher of Hemp Business Journal. Sean will be addressing the uh, Supply Side West audience on Thursday, September 28th. Uh, state of CBD and dietary supplements. Uh, Sean and a, a number of other experts will be exploring business opportunities and market trends in the burgeoning CBD market, regulatory hurdles, and how to bring new products to market. We urge you to attend that. Sean, thanks a lot for your time this morning, and uh, have a great week. Absolutely. Thanks, Josh. More data to come at the event. Thank you for listening to today's podcast, brought to you by Supply Side West. For additional podcasts featuring industry leaders and experts, visit naturalproductsinsider.com.